Hey everybody, welcome to the E5 Fitness Podcast, and it is just me today, no guests, no Jono, just me. Um, so I apologize in advance because I'm going to bore you to death because it's just me. Um, and today we're going to talk, I'm going to be talking about fasting, so um, I'm pretty much why fasting is very good, but also why fasting usually ruins people's progress and causes you to overeat rather than under eat. So when we talk about fasting, we could talk about it in three or four different terms, but we'll use fasting as a way to cover anything that has a time-restricted feeding on it or um, some level of restricting food for a, for a certain day. Okay, so there's three different types of fasting that we're going to talk about. We've got the five two, we've got alternate day, and we've got the intermittent fasting, which is kind of where everybody sort of heads to. And that's like the goal and the, the gold standard of fasting nowadays, where all the magic happens. So five two diet, basically, you would fast um, or you'd have very little calories for five days. Uh, for, sorry, for two days, and then five days, you'd have just normal eating. So, for example, if you had 2,000 calories for five days, you might have 500 for two, and you're in a 3,000-calorie deficit. Um, maintenance for five, drop for two. Easy. And in that two, you'd just be focused on protein and uh, trying not to focus on how much food that you're not eating. Um, but you, the idea behind that is that you only really have to I don't want to say the word suffer, but you don't have to really be dieting off, be super food focused for two days. Um, benefits of that is like you could pick two really busy days or two days where it might be the back of a night shift. And you're like, actually, yeah, from 12 till 12, I'm only going to have 500 calories, but you're going to sleep for 12 hours of those. So it makes it a lot easier. Or you're just someone that like Monday, Tuesdays are just absolutely rammed and you don't think about food. Don't really know how that works for some people because I'm always thinking about food, but um, yeah, so I know some people will just like wake up seven eight o'clock, sit down at the desk, and suddenly they'll be like, Oh, well, it's the clock and it's four o'clock. I'm like, I say this to you. Um, so that's how five two works, and obviously, it just creates a deficit because you've got two days where you're low calories. Then, alternate day is very similar to 5-2 in, in terms of like you'd have a day where the restriction is and then a day where the restriction isn't. And most people, what they do is they might do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, have like a restriction day or a reduced calorie day. They might have like, I don't know, a thousand calories, 500 calories, um, and then a normal maintenance on Tuesday, Thursday, and then the weekend. So you'd have four days versus three days. You can do it so it is just day on day off, day on day off, but it depends on what your lifestyle's like. And that will kind of be the theme of what I'm talking about because you'll see later on that none of this really actually um, matters when you're an individual. But the alternate day, again, I would never recommend that to a client because I don't think I've ever had a client who works one day on one day off or has such a structured routine where Tuesdays and Thursdays they're off and Monday, Wednesday, Friday they're working. Um, there will be someone out there, I'm sure, but for me, I don't see the benefit of it. Excuse me. Um, then we've got IF or intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding. And the way time-restricted feeding works is B, 
basically the most common one is like a 16-8. So you would fast for 16 hours, which would start sort of after your last meal of the day. Say that's eight o'clock and then you'd go to bed. And you had 16 hours where you fast in, so it would go eight till 12 the next day. And then from 12, you'd start eating. You'd have an eating window of eight hours and that's when you'd get all your calories in, which sounds great. So you've got 2,000 calories, whatever your calories are. Um, it'd still be in a deficit because obviously, like, it's still the day. Like, you haven't recooked any calories to eat because you've been fasting. Like, well, then you've got a pat on your back. Well, then, great. But you've still got to be in a deficit for that day. So you've still got to be in a calorie deficit whilst you're in, in that eating window. And whilst this will work very, very well for people who have kids. So in the morning, the focus is on getting the kids to school, getting ready for bed uh, on the nights, and it's very focused on them rather than the person themselves. So the external factors. Uh, some people don't like eating breakfast, don't like waking up, they feel sick when they wake up, but if they think about food, so all these are very good indicators of someone who might benefit from fasting. Then you've got the negatives that come with that because you've got, if you look at someone who, all oh, right, well, I'm going to try fasting because I had all this good stuff, yada, yada, yada. Then it gets to 12 and absolutely ravenous. And this where fasting really falls down because what they'll do is they'll fast for 16 hours. It gets to 12 o'clock and their hunger signals are so high that they've now associated because the hunger is high that they need more food where it's not the indication, like your hunger signals get higher and higher the longer you go without food because it's your body's trying to force you to eat. After a while, you do get over those hunger signals, don't get me wrong, but there is that time where the hunger signals become so much that you convince yourself in your head, we've all done it, because I've done it, that you need to have a meal that's three times the normal portion of something you'd eat. So instead of having like 100 grams of chicken or potato or whatever, you have like 300 grams and it's like, yay, boo. And then you feel shit because you're bloated, you're overeating. And like you've just had half your calories in your first meal and you've still got seven, seven hours and 45 minutes to go in your eating window and you've got 800 calories left. It's just, it's not good if you can't deal with it. So fasting definitely doesn't work if you're not busy. And if you're very food oriented, probably not the best way to do it so if we go away from sort of just counting calories and weight loss and that kind of vibe there are definitely other ways where um, we can have benefits from fasting so we can actually reduce your insulin resistance so insulin resistance is um, basically it's kind of like a precursor to type 2 diabetes and is obviously linked with obesity as type 2 diabetes is. It doesn't always, uh, just because you're not obese or overweight doesn't mean that you don't have insulin resistance. Everybody will have it to an extent, but, or most people have it to an extent, but it's not indicative of obesity. So what insulin resistance is, is obviously when you put sugar or glucose into your body, Insulin will grab the glucose and it'll go to a muscle cell <clears throat> in like an insulin kind of carrier bag. Imagine like an Amazon parcel coming to your door. And 
the insulin knock on the door of the muscle cell and be like, oh, I've got some glucose for you. And in a healthy individual, the glucose will just go through the cell membrane, go into the muscle cell and be utilized as fuel. When you're insulin resistant, the muscle cell doesn't accept the glucose from the insulin. It's not stimulated by the insulin enough, hence the insulin resistance. One of the great things about fasting is because in that 16 hour window, the reliance on insulin shoveling glucose around your body from the food you ingest into the muscle cells, into the liver, into all the other cells that the body uses. The emphasis goes onto the hormone that's sort of like converse, conversely, the other side to insulin, which is something called glucagon. Um, if he's still with me, there's a lot of glycogens, glucagons, and glucose. So glucagon is the hormone that releases glucose or the glycogen from the liver. So you start using liver glycogen. So liver glycogen is uh, not as abundant in the liver as it is in the muscle. So we probably have about a quarter um, of the glycogen stored in the liver as we do in the muscle. So obviously we're going to run out a bit a lot faster. So in that 16-hour window, the idea is essentially your liver is going to be running very, very low. It never runs out. So obviously your body's smarter than that. But then you start utilizing fat as an energy source. That mechanism itself, if we ignore what we've been as an energy source and what we're, if we think about weight loss or fat loss or anything like that, if we just ignore that for a bit, you actually become metabolically healthier because you reduce insulin resistance because you become less reliant on the insulin spike, which is great. So it's a massive health benefit for us. Alongside that, this reduction in insulin spikes from the intake of food, which is a natural occurrence, please don't think that insulin spike, oh, it must be bad. It's really not. It's very important. But if we can level them off and reduce them throughout the day, we can actually reduce um, things like inflammation. We can reduce um, the size of our LDL cholesterol, which is the low density lipoproteins. And that's the cholesterol that takes, um, oh, sorry, puts the cholesterol within the arteries. It's not a bad thing because we do have another harm, another cholesterol that takes it away, but essentially it's a, it's a transport protein. And the reduction in insulin resistance and um, the spikes also reduces the risk of cardiovascular events. And there is a huge possibility that you will lose body fat as well. And we know the risks associated with being overweight and carrying more body fat than you need to. So there is all those as well. However, um, these most of the studies that are done around intermittent fasting are done on obese males. So we've got to factor them in. Um, obviously, you've got to think that when people are doing these kinds of studies, there's usually some other form of intervention other than just fasting. Um, things like people will probably be like, oh, well, if I'm doing that, I might as well go and exercise. I might as well go and start weight training or go to the gym or go for a walk. They start doing other things that aren't just dietary interventions. So we do have to factor that in. And then we've also got to realize that these are done over anywhere from five weeks to 12 months with follow-up studies. And most of the follow-up studies do usually come out with that there's no difference between fasting and non-fasting. So there are food for thought there. So it's potential metabolic advantages, yes. 
but it's more of a lifestyle choice. Like I would always say to people, like if you like eating breakfast, and most people do like eating breakfast, then eat breakfast. Um, but a couple of tidbits are like you are more insulin sensitive in the morning. Like you've got because you've used that glucagon overnight and that liver glycogen as fuel, keep your blood glucose sort of regulated. You're more insulin sensitive, so. In the morning, like carbs is actually a great thing. And if you have carbs and fruit, fructose goes straight to the liver and gets like gets broken down into that liver glycogen. So you're restoring that liver glycogen and muscle glycogen as well in the morning. And if you exercise in the morning, it's two beds, one stone because of it become more insulin sensitive because of the exercise. So there's some huge benefits there and definitely things to think about. Now, the issue we've got is that fasting doesn't work for everybody and obviously i mentioned like the whole um like if you can't deal with those hunger levels when it comes to you actually eating and then you end up eating more people what they'll do is when they first start dieting is they essentially do a they tend not to fast but they tend to start eating very very little and what you'll probably see is like in breakfast they'll eat like three four hundred calories and then for lunch they'll eat three four hundred calories probably what prioritize protein, probably what prioritize fiber and fruit and veg and things like that. So these meals aren't huge, they're tiny, and they're kind of just like snacks. And then obviously, as hunger, hunger rises, and then you have a little bit of these snacks. So not many calories, not enough to satiate hunger, and not really enough to actually fuel you properly. Then this hunger level keeps rising and rising and rising. and then you'll get to tea and you might have something a little bit bigger because your hunger levels are there. And then it's after tea that people see the negatives of fasting. And because boredom has a huge impact on it as well. And like people usually after, after tea, they'll be like, oh, well, I want something a little bit sweet because it's sort of that, um, that sensory hunger. So they're not actually hungry, but they want a different texture. That's the reason that we have like a dessert stomach. So you might be able to have a lasagna, they'll get bored of lasagna, feel full. But as soon as chocolate's put in front of you, you're like, oh yeah, get in. And then people will be bored because they'll feel in front of Netflix, sat on the computer playing games, things like that. And that's when the hunger levels will spike. And the only way that we're ever going to get rid of this boredom is by eating. So you have like a, a double-edged sword of, we need to cure the boredom. And the only dopamine release you're going to get is from food. And... I'm fucking starving because I've eaten a thousand calories today when I'm 120 kilo male. I've hit 10,000 steps and I've trained twice today. So while fasting has like some huge benefits in the morning in terms of like increasing insulin sensitivity, insulin, insulin sensitivity, um, decreased inflammation, like if having quite a, like a positive impact on your metabolic health, it also has like quite a, like a drastic impact on obviously your hunger levels. And it is like a very, very lifestyle based dietary mechanism that isn't suddenly going to make you feel 10 times better. It still have to do with basics, still have to be in a calorie deficit for fat loss. I would definitely wouldn't use it for weight gaining. And then the overall big kicker in this is that the longer you do this, the harder it becomes. This is why the studies that are done on fasting are never done for very long. 
16 weeks tops and then people are dropping out towards that between that 12 and six week period i've done fasting myself and the hunger levels you just start you start being like oh it's 11 o'clock it's nearly 12 so like oh, it doesn't make a difference really does it i'll just stop eating at seven and then seven o'clock comes you're like did i start eat, stop eating at seven i don't think i did and then this feeding window essentially just sort of nullifies to your normal day-to-day -day stuff. So fasting, it can have a place. And it's something that you could definitely put in put in in there, especially if you're someone with kids doesn't like breakfast, wakes up late, yada yada yada. Um five, two and alternate days, you're probably looking you're probably a little bit sort of too archaic for most people, but they definitely try it. Um, and you, the intermittent fasting, like doesn't have to just be 16, eight, you can do, you can do 20 and four. So you've got a four hour feeding window, like, but most of the research on that is done on like very obese individuals, again, males. And again, it's a very short time and yeah, hunger levels probably scoop high. And then just be very careful. Like if you are going to fast, make sure that you have like your first meal isn't overdone. Like you're not playing up to your hunger signals, but you're also not undershooting yourself because those hunger signals just continue to rise throughout the day. So be very, 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 very sensible with it. And if you don't have any questions, just give me a shout. Um, only at the end of whatever means you use to contact me. Um, and I think that's it. Have a have a great weekend, and um, I'll see you on the next.